Well, one day a mother went up to her five-year-old daughter who was being disobedient and says, if you continue to choose to disobey, you will have to live with the consequences. The little girl got very upset. Terrified look on her face. She looked up at mommy with those eyes and she said, please, mommy, don't make me live with the consequences. I want to live with you. Sometimes the things that we do have consequences. Sometimes the way that we choose to live our life, it has consequences. We don't always want to live with them, but they do have them. Last couple of weeks, we've been talking about three groups of people. Those who serve, those who work, and those who wait to be served. It seems to be very hard for people, once they have been stuck in a group for a long time, to move out of it. It seems that those who wait to be served continually wait to be served. Those who work continually work. And those who serve God find it easy to continue to serve God. We said before that we serve God by serving others. But if we fall into that work mentality, we begin to serve others. And we go, go around from one service to another service to another service. And there's certainly certain traits that each person will have who's in one of these groups. Certain traits that they will always have. The people who are serving God and serve God by serving others, they have certain traits and they just seem to follow them all the, all the way that they go. People who work, they serve, serve all the time, but they work. The, the Marthas of the world, the ones that are always in the kitchen, can never get out of the kitchen. That's the way they are. We went over some of those, just giving to you again. Those who serve, those who serve God by serving others, those who have the right attitude in service, the report of other people, remember, is mostly positive. It's not completely. Jesus' report of other people wasn't 100% positive. If there was something negative, he reported it, especially if they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't listen. His report of the Pharisees was what? It wasn't very good. But they weren't listening. Most of the time he tried to give people a report of where they were in private. But when they're not listening, he went to another way. But the people who work, who are just working, 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 your report of others is both negative and positive. It's kind of mixed. These people will also see God's blessings to be earned or granted. This is where the problem comes in. It hinders your faith. It hinders your faith. People who are in the category of workers, these, these folks see God as moving the same way they're moving. They're moved by need and they're moved by guilt. And they see God as being moved by the same things. And so in their prayers, they talk to God in such a way as to move him with their guilt and with their need, not with their faith. If you get into the place of service and you're serving right, you'll get into a place of faith. You no longer have to move God by guilt because you are not moved by guilt. You know that he also is not. It's so important that you move from one category to the other. Your faith is hindered if you don't. There's another characteristic of these things we're going to bring out here today. Don't let me forget because it's not in your outline at all. But I did want to make sure that we, we brought this out. So if I forget, you can remind me. The people that are waiting to be served, these folks, the report of other people is mostly negative or underhandedly positive. They may say something positive, but they mean something, they mean to dig by it. They mean to put them down. You see God's blessings as out of reach or for other people. You ever heard people talk about this? Well, I know the Bible says that, but it never works for me. You've just placed them. You know exactly where they are in their, in their walk. They are waiting to be served. They are full of pride. Correction is unheard or resisted. These folks will change in an instant. They will go from talking so great, word of, of faith, and to, to totally putting it down. They'll be your friend today and not your friend tomorrow. That's where these folks are, are at. Your, the people that are the most loyal are in the first category. 
of the people that are saying today, tomorrow, the day after that, just don't change. That's where we need to be. That's where we want to be. I want to take a look at some words that Jesus had to say about this. But before we did that, we wanted to go back and see the things that had gone on before because the more I looked at them, the more I saw that they were important. In Matthew chapter 20, we're going to begin reading at verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his, his vineyard. He went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. The third hour is, the, is 9 a.m. That is the hour that Jesus was crucified. He was taken out after being beaten all night. They took him out at the third hour, which is 9 a.m. What time would the first group of people go out? What? Or it says early, right? Early. If, if we go with the every three hour thing, then probably somewhere around 6 o'clock would be a good guess. But... Um, it's probably a great guess. 6, 6 a.m. is probably just, just fine. We just know they went out early. What's early for you? <laughs> Some of you, 9 o'clock was early. <laughs> but he went out earlier than that and got the first group. Now, see, here's the thing. He got the first group, and he told the first group, we're going to pay you a day's wage. That's a denarius. We're going to pay you a day's wage if you go out in my fields and work. Six, let's just say we're just going to go with 6 a.m., okay? Um, it may be 5 it may be, I don't know, but we're just going to go with six. I know that the Bible story does not say what it is, but we're just going to put a number on it. We're going to say somewhere around 6 a.m. He went out and he got these, these folks because he went out early. Didn't say what time. But then it does say what time, about 9 a.m. He went out and he got another group. He did not agree with them on the wage. What did he say to them? Come work with me and I'll pay you a fair wage. Now, it's 9 a.m. By this time, most people who are going to be employed for the day are employed. Think of it this way. If you go down to the Home Depot, do you see a whole lot of people standing around there waiting for somebody to come by and pick them up to go work? If not, you haven't been over to Home Depot a whole lot. It doesn't seem to happen as much at Lowe's. It happens mostly. I don't know why that is. It happens mostly at Home Depot. I'm over at Lowe's more than Home Depot, but um, every once in a while I get on over there early and you see a group of people that are waiting to be hired. And they come on by and they pick them up at the Home Depot and then they... They uh, take them out to wherever it is they're going to go. It's kind of like that, but there's a marketplace and there's a place that everybody came and they're waiting for jobs. You know, they're, they're waiting for somebody to come and hire them. Manual labor. Go out into the field. Somebody needs some field workers today and we're here and we're letting them know. And so the earlier you get there, you, know, you want to get there early because you don't know what time the owners are going to show up. And so when he shows up, I want you, 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 and you. So this landowner, he showed up to, to hire them. To, to bring them, bring them in, get them to get them to work. He goes out there at 9 a.m. Now, why these guys weren't hired at the first time? I don't know. They, I would assume they weren't there. That'd be my assumption. They weren't there. So either they were lazier than the other ones and didn't quite get out there. I don't know what it was, but they weren't there. It would seem otherwise he would have hired them. If he came back for more laborers, it would seem that he needed more than he got in the first run. And so he came back at 9 a.m. and he got some more and he says, hey, you guys come on to my field. And what's he agreed to them to pay him? A fair wage. Now, either they know this guy and they know that he'll pay him a fair wage or they don't know him, but they have no other work. And no one else has hired them. So, you know, a wage is better than no wage. <laughs> so that's going out. We'll go ahead. And so at 9 a.m., a bunch of them piled into the truck and headed on out to the fields. They're just standing there idle in the marketplace. So now they got a job. He says, whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. And he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour, and he did likewise. So that's three hours after that, and then three hours after that, he, he went out and he kept finding more, more people. Now it's kind of amazing that the ninth hour, people are still showing up to find work. I don't know why that is, but somehow they're, they're still showing up. And uh, ninth hour, he goes out there and he gets who he can and he brings him on back. And he still doesn't have quite enough workers. He needs more. Apparently, the job is big. He knew the job was big. He's hiring everybody he can, but there's just not enough people. And about the 11th hour, you know what time the 11th hour is? It's right there in your, your outline. 5 p.m. That's when most people are quitting. Right? The 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? Now, I don't know if that means he didn't see them. He didn't hire them. 
Whatever it was, he, he, he has an idea. These guys have been standing here all day. Come on, you guys go to work too. He says, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. Whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. He's got a strategy here. He doesn't just want to pay them. He wants to start with the last ones, the ones he hired last at the 11th hour, move over to the ones he hired at the 9th hour, move over to the ones he hired at the 6th hour, move over to the ones he hired at the 3rd hour, and then hire the ones that he hired early, or pay the ones that he hired early. They're going to be last. He's doing this for the purpose. So there's the instructions. And when those who were hired about the 11th hour, now how long did they work? Don't know. Whatever, they worked till sunset. They worked till the sun went down you couldn't see anymore. So whatever the sunset was at this time of year, I don't know, but they probably got, you know, an hour, two hours. Maybe they got three hours in. Glory to God, we are getting to the time when the daylight will last until 9 p.m. Isn't that cool? Glory to God. I put in your outline, you know, next week, we turn turn those clocks ahead. So all night long, you can dream what you're going to do with an extra hours of daylight. I don't know about you. I know I will be. Glory to God. Extra hour of daylight instead of it there in the morning, having it there. It's just something nicer about having it in the evening. evening. I'd stay on daylight saving time all year long if it was me. I just can't wait for the kingdom of God to come when it won't be nighttime. You don't need the sun for it to be daytime. <laughs> It'll be light all the time. Glory to God. God likes light. And in him is no darkness at all. Whew. Oh, this is going to be good. I will, I will enjoy that. I'm, I'm also anticipating no winter. You know, and I have, I have Bible verses on that. I do have Bible verses on that. That's right. When God created the earth the first time, was there winter? No, winter was not here. There was no South Pole, North Pole. There was no winter. The whole earth was kept at an even temperature. That's how God created it. That's how God's going to create it again. Glory to God. <laughs> Whether you lived in Florida or Maine or Canada or Alaska, it's going to be the same temperature. Hallelujah. Uh, and it's going to be nice, too. Not too hot. Not too cold. Mm. Let's get back over here. And when those who were hired about the 11th hour, maybe they worked an hour, maybe they worked two hours, maybe they worked three hours, five o'clock, you couldn't have worked too long. I don't think it would have been... Light much past nine o'clock, but whatever it was, they um, they came up and they said, "We don't know where we're going to get. We didn't agree to anything. We just said it'd be fair." And it was five o'clock. You obviously aren't going to get any work now, so they went on off and they got this job. And they came on up and they gave them a they gave them a whole day's wage for working a couple hours. They think, "Wow, that's that's good." Then the next group comes up. They didn't agree either. They worked. A few more hours. They came in at the ninth hour. These guys came in at the eleventh, so they have two more hours in. If you work two more hours than the other one, maybe you're thinking, what? If you gave him a denarius, it'll give me more. But you got a denarius too. They didn't complain. Glory to God, huh? Where else can you go and get paid a whole day's wage? And we didn't come in until until the ninth hour. That's cool. I'm still happy. They went on home. People came up for the sixth hour. They got same thing, a denarius. People who were hired at 9 a.m., third hour, they worked pretty much the whole day. That could have been close to a 12-hour day. At least 10. And what did they get paid? A day's wage. Now, all this time, these guys are sitting back there who, who uh, got hired at the, the early morning hour, whatever hour that was. And if that's just say we're playing with the 6 o'clock, they worked at least 12 hours. They may have worked 14, but they worked at least 12 hours. Because they worked till 5. The other guys had to put in at least an hour. So they worked at least 12 hours. They worked a while. They worked longer than anyone else in the group. So the whole time they're watching this, they're thinking, he gave them a denarius. He gave them a denarius. We've been here the whole day. We bear the brunt of the heat. 
We, we took it all. And we, we outworked all these guys. We did more than all them. They're probably talking amongst themselves. I bet you. We, sh- we should get more. They're, they're talking. We should get more. How many of y'all know we deserve more than they do? Because we worked longer. Wouldn't you be saying that? But what did they agree to? A denarius. They're the only group that agreed to a price. Come into my fields and I'll pay you a denarius. Give you a day's wage for coming on in and working. They said, okay. And they agreed. But now that agreement doesn't seem to be so good. Because this guy seems to have been more. We, we should have held out for two. We should have gotten something more. But when the first group came, they supposed. That's never good. What should you base things on? Folks, as Christians, always base things on the word. What was the word to them? I will pay you a denarius. But their mind began to do things. And it began to say, you deserve more than a denarius. But you agreed to a denarius. Yeah, but you deserve more. You worked longer. But you agreed to a denarius. What did he say he would give you? A denarius. What can you ask for when you go up there to get paid? That's it. Because that's the word. See, this is where a lot of people's faith is in the Christian circles. We have supposed. Well, if God did that for so-and-so, he should surely do this for me. What Bible verse are you basing that off of? Don't suppose anything. Don't ever suppose anything with God. Know what his word says. Do his word. Hold him to his word. What's the word say? But they supposed that they would receive more. (laughs) Because obviously other people are getting a denarius. We should... We've been here longer. We should get more. But they likewise each received a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner. They complained against the landowner. Does that put them in a group? It surely does. I'll tell you what, folks that are in the first group we talked about, people that are ready to serve God by serving others, people that have been led by the Spirit to serve, not led by guilt, Those folks, you will seldom hear them ever complain. Seldom ever hear them. And if they do complain, they'll stop themselves usually and correct themselves. If you are into complaining, just know you got work to do. Well, amen. (laughs) How many times did complaining work in the Bible? Can anyone tell me a single time that people complained in the Bible and it worked? Did they usually get in trouble? Why do we think we're going to do better? (laughs) Don't complain. Go to the Word. Find out what the Word says. Say, God, this is what your Word says. God says, yep, that's what my Word says. That's what we're going to do. Because what happens is Christians, sometimes we look at other Christians or they're around and we see them get an answer to prayer. You know what we say? How come they got an answer to prayer? I didn't get my answer to prayer. How come they got healed? I didn't get healed. I should get healed. I've been working for you longer than they have. They just, got, they just got saved last week. How come they got healed? I didn't get healed. I've been serving you for 20 years. That's not fair. What's God say about it? He says, go to the Word. What's the Word say? Are you healed on your length of service? What are you healed on? Faith. 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 Yeah. Get in faith. You get in faith. Well, I am in faith. <laughs> I like what Brother Hagin said when he was uh, still laying on the bed of affliction, as he put it, still sick and not healed yet, believing God for his healing, going to God. And, and uh, he was having one of those conversations with God and going over things. And, and he, said, he said, God, I know I'm in faith. I know. I said, if you were to show up here in my room and say you're not in faith, I'd say you're a liar. Said that to God in, in prayer, you know. I'd say you're a liar. And this is what came up in his spirit. I love this. You believe as far as you know. <laughs> yeah. 
That stopped him dead in his tracks. He says, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, we believe as far as we know. What do we got to do? We got to know more. You see, your healing may have a certain block or a certain thing that goes on that you don't know about. That other person didn't have it. But you can get past it. You just got to find out what it is. God will tell you. Took him a little while. And he finally got past that thing. He took off. But it wasn't for a, a number of years. He finally got to learn what he had to learn and did what he needed to do. It's a great story. If you haven't read that recently or never read it at all, that's in his book, uh, I Believe in Visions. Great one to read. You can even get it out digitally now, I believe. You, can, you don't have to go out to the store and buy it. Just download it on one of those digital bookstore places and read all you want. So these guys are complaining. This is what they said. These last men had worked on... Well, there you go. I, I missed that. They, they worked only one hour. So we know they stopped at six. And you made them equal to us. You made them equal to us. See, that's what drives a lot of Christians crazy. Is that God sometimes makes people equal. Now, here's the problem with this, this story. People want to take this equal and take it out of the context of the story and apply it all over. Does God make everyone equal? No. Remember Jesus gave the parable? To one he gave one talent, to another one he gave two, to another one he gave five. Why did he do that? Each according to their ability. There are some things that are unequal and some things that are equal. This parable is talking about those things that are equal. What is it in the Christian life that all Christians have equal? I'll give you a couple. The Word of God says that I have given to each man a measure of faith. You all start off with the same amount of faith. What you do with it from there is up to you. You can cause that faith to grow. Faith to grow. You can cause it to be stagnant. It's up to you. Salvation. Does it mean anything more for you than it does for me? If you are saved and I am saved, are we all saved from the same thing? Are we all saved to the same thing? Yeah. We all go into heaven. Well, if a person has been serving God for 50, 60, 70 years and dies and gets to heaven, what's their reward for being saved? Heaven. Being saved. Salvation. If a person on their deathbed, living like a sinner all their life, and on their deathbed somebody comes on over, ministers to them, gets them to turn their life over to God, and five minutes later they die and go to heaven. What's their reward? Heaven. Can you, say, can you see people standing in heaven and say, wait a minute, wait, hold on a minute. Hold on. They get access to all the same thing I get access to, and I've been serving you for 70 years and them five minutes? And God says, yep. Yep, they get to walk in the streets of gold. They get to go into the next kingdom. They get to have a house up here. Built them a place too. They get access to the same dinner table. They get access to the same forgiveness of sins. Now, their house might be different than your house. Especially if you send some building materials up. And then your house might be a little bit different. That's all right. But we're talking about salvation. That's the same. Some people will complain. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Is he doing any wrong? Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this, man, this last man the same as to you. It is, not, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Now, so you see there's a whole lot of going on here now. There's a whole lot of people want to be telling you what to do with your things. We need to take some of your things and give it to someone over here who's not doing anything. I don't want to give up my things to someone who's not doing anything. Don't matter. We're going to do it. Is it not for you to do with what you want with your things? Sure it is. 
that's why it's real important to understand that in the tithe, when you are bringing your tithes before God, a tenth belongs to Him. 90% belongs to you, not God. Do not call your 90% His. It's yours. The 10% is His. Call it His. 90% is yours. Remember Peter, when he was talking to Ananias and Sapphira and they messed up on the giving? And he said to them when they sold the house, he said, was the money not yours to do with as you wished? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, I, we, we talked about this in the series, a couple of series before, but uh, just remind you about it. You are not a steward of your money. Have you ever heard that said? You know, I need to be a good steward of my money. That's false. It's false teaching. It's wrong. Get that out. That is religious teaching, not Bible. Get it out of your head. You have this, it's wrong. It's error that has crept into people. How many times have you heard Christian people say, well, I need to be a good steward of my money? That is false. You can do with your money as you wish. 90% of it. 10% belongs to him. 90% belongs to you. When we went over this before, remember, you are a steward of that which doesn't belong to you. A steward in the Bible is someone to, who is hired to take care of the affairs of the house of someone else. They don't own those things. They are a steward of them. You are not a steward of what you own. As long as you have that mentality, I'm a steward of this, you think I'm not the owner of it. Don't ever, I mean, some people want to say, oh, I'm going to tithe 20%. Stop it. That's religious mentality. 10% belongs to God. Give God what is His. Now you got 90%. What are you going to do with the rest of it? Whatever you want. If you want to take another 10% and give it to God, then call it an offering. Because that's what it is. It's not a tithe. It's an offering. There's different blessings on the offering than there are in the tithe. But see how religious mentality creeps in? And so we start calling things what they aren't? They're not supposed to be? Your 90% of your money is yours. What you do with that is up to you. But don't steal from God. That ain't good either. He says, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. There's a whole lot of folks that are called into this life. Not every one of them will, will make it. Remember the rich young ruler. Wasn't he called? He disqualified himself though. Well, that was the prerequisite. We didn't really get into the meat of this yet. Verse 17. Now, Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them. This is after he's just talking about this. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and discourage and to crucify. And the third day he will rise, rise again. It was some time ago on, uh, I think it was Good Friday. And we went over how many times Jesus said this to them. And he said it to them a lot, didn't he? In fact, the last time he was going up to Jerusalem, sending them in to make the preparations for the Passover, before he does that, he pulls them aside and says, all right, now look, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be arrested, sent up to the high priest. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. How many times he told them the third day I'm going to rise again was astounding. And yet, Peter is there afterwards, and he comes up, you know, and they're, they're talking, it's the, it's the third day. Shouldn't that jar something in your memory? Remember the two that were on the way to, on the road to Emmaus? They were so upset, so, so sad. Don't you know what happened? Our, our, our Jesus, he has died, and today's the third day, and people are saying that it's somebody who stole him. We don't know where his body is, and Jesus didn't let them see who he was. And then he, uh, he started telling them, opened up the scriptures to them, and then, uh, you know, then rebuked them. Man, you idiots, how many times did I tell you the third day I'd be raised up? <laughs> how many times did I tell you? Here, and you're even talking about the third day. Yeah, the third day. This is the day I said I would be raised up, and you're looking for my body. You dopes. 
<laughs> I don't know if he said it to him that way, but I, I tell you, you sure want to. I, it's like, come on, guys, can't you get, how many times did I pull you aside? How many times did I tell you about this? Peter even one time pulled him aside and said, look, I'm hearing what you're saying, and you need to quit it. <laughs> you need to quit saying this stuff. And uh, so it's not like they didn't hear it. They did hear it. So he tells them this again. And then in verse 20, the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down, asking something from him. He said to her, what do you wish? She said, and grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and one on the left in your kingdom. I guess all this stuff went before, and she's probably thinking, if I don't say this now, he may not be around for me to say it later on. So (laughs) we need to get this request in here, get it going pretty quick. It's nice when you have mom go in there and ask the question you'd like to be asking yourself, right? <laughs> the other, uh, in Mark Gospel, actually has those two coming and saying, but she's saying it on behalf of them. It's the same thing as them coming and saying it. Now look at this. Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with? The baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. Have you ever asked somebody, are you able to go through this? And you know what they're going to have to go through is really tough. Are you able to go? And they, Oh, yeah, yeah, we can do it. <laughs> yeah, we can do it. Maybe your kids, when they're growing up, they're going to take on some kind of a project. Are you sure you're able to? Because you know what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, 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 we're able. And then, you know, an hour later, they find out. <laughs> Mom, can you come help? <laughs> they think they're able. Now, notice the change here. Jesus is asking him this. I don't know if you noticed this change before, but there's a change that goes on right here. Jesus is asking him, are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Are you able to do it? Yeah, yeah, we're able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom is prepared by my Father. There's a whole lot that is said in here. First off is this. Jesus changed his tone. He started out by asking him, are you able to drink this cup? And look what he changed it to. You will. Did Jesus just get a word of knowledge? Or a word of wisdom? Did he just get a word of wisdom what was going on? While he's having this conversation, did God just reveal to him, this is what they're going through. This is what will come upon them. And he saw it, and he says, oh, I can't say that to him. So he just says this, you will drink my cup. You will drink the cup. Hmm. You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with my baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. Get this principle down. Only give what is yours to give. Do not give what you don't have. Don't do it. We don't have something, don't give it. You know, sometimes we get, uh, we haven't had this in, in, in a long, long time, so I can feel pretty free about saying this. I'm not going to make anybody feel uncomfortable. But sometimes, you know, people would come into the church and they would talk about something they had done in a church before. And people would just, oh, well, you would have come do that here. They would do that. People would come in. They played an instrument before. Here, first Sunday. First Sunday, played an instrument before. Oh, well, you ought to come and do that here. Not even on the worship team. Not only are they not on the worship team, they're not even a worship leader. They're not head over that thing. And they're giving that position away. Do you know who these people are? Do you know what had gone on? You know, there's a lot of venting we, we do when we check. We like to check things out. Because some things have, uh, we know how, what has happened. Sometimes people have left here and we say, you know, they, they may go on and try and do something. You've got to be careful. We had somebody who left our worship team. And uh, they were having problems in a certain area. And they went over and got put into the worship team in the new church. Pastor never called. No one ever asked. And the same problems that person had there, he had there. 
brought the whole church into it. It's not good. Now we've got to check some of these things out. Don't give what you don't have to give. Now we're doing a whole, we do a whole lot of that in this country. We give all kinds of stuff away that we did in ours. I heard the, uh, the government now is, just, is trying to do this thing with, um, you, you know, what's the, the illegal aliens are being made, you know, just given, uh, you, you, got, you guys were just not going to deport you anymore. And all the, there's so much stuff that's, on that's going on with that that's illegal. I don't know if you knew about this, but they're giving them, they want to give them social security numbers and have them file back taxes. They're giving them the opportunity to file for four years of back taxes, which means they will qualify for earned income credits, potentially 35000 per family. $35,000 per family of your money that you pay taxes in is going to people who were illegally in this country. You know that's going on right now? That's what some of this fight is on immigration. That these folks will be made legal and will have access to file up to four years back, potentially 35. Now multiply 35,000 times the number that they're putting on that. That's a whole lot of money, isn't it? Do we have that money to give? No. <laughs> we don't have that money to give, do we? No, we don't. We are in debt. Last uh, six years under this president, we, we, uh, we came under, uh, so far, $11 trillion in additional debt. I don't know if you heard about all this, but there was a reporter who came and asked one of the Republican candidates. It says, uh, cause, uh, who was it, Giuliani, who called the president unpatriotic? And, you know, some kind of speech, he was all excited and, and thing. I heard a little bit of it in here, or much of it. And they said, is that, you know, they were approaching him. And he, he approached her right. He says, well, why don't you ask uh, Hillary what she thinks about Bill Clinton going around with a pedophile? They never asked her that, did they? He's flying around the country with a person. But they don't ask those kind of questions. And I thought, you know, the best thing to do for that question is just say, no, I don't have to call the president unpatriotic at all. He called himself unpatriotic. Did you know that? Did you know the president himself called himself unpatriotic? He did. Back when he was running for office, President Bush had run up $4 trillion worth of debt, largest amount that any president had ever done up till then. And then Senator Barack Obama called him unpatriotic for running up $4 trillion worth of debt. Well, the President Bush was unpatriotic for $4 trillion worth of debt. What's $11 trillion? I would have just asked them that. That'd be my thing. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why you relate that to being unpatriotic, but that's what that's what the president did. But um, see, we can't give away what we don't have. But you give away what you don't have to get people on your side. That's not right. That's not a servant. That's not the right kind of servant. That's a person who wants to be served, but not a servant. It's category three more than that. Don't give what you don't have. This guy, he says, I gave what I had. I had the money. I brought you in. I, he had it. He didn't give him a, a promissory note. He gave him a denarius. He had the money. They did the work. Well, we go on. We're still laying the foundation here. Let's get into verse 24. And when the ten heard it, well, there's 12 disciples, right? We got James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They're over here. What are they saying? <laughs> we want to be one on your left hand and one on your right. I'm, I wonder which one was supposed to be on the left and which one was supposed to be on the right. You think they were fighting about that one? Or were they just leaving that up to Jesus? You know, you pick. Just get one of us on the right, one on the left. Whatever you want to do. When the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. Now, are they displeased because they asked or are they displeased because they beat them to it? <laughs> I, I don't know which one. It is. It's, it's one or the other, right? I don't know if they're just displeased that they asked or they were all thinking about it. And, uh, man, I wanted to ask that. I just didn't think it was right. I can't believe you beat me to the punch. Or maybe they're just thinking, you guys aren't qualified. I mean, I'm Peter. I'm more qualified than all of you. Here's what I want you to see about this. Ten are displeased, right? Name the ten. You may not be able to name all of them. You know, Matthew's in there, Peter's in there. You know, it's something. But 
Judas is in there. Right? We are really close to Jesus being betrayed. The Word of God says that Satan entered into his heart, but he had been working on him the whole time. Can you imagine that the nine disciples identified more with Judas than the rest of the people in the group? Can you imagine that at this point in time, you cannot tell the difference between Judas and the other nine? Ooh. I mean, Judas, the guy who's going to betray him shortly. And you cannot really tell any difference. They're all there in the same group, agreeing with each other. So the ten heard it, they were displeased. One version says they were indignant. But Jesus called them to himself and said, now here's the teaching. Here's what you need to see. Did all that stuff to come before to get to this part. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. He's telling them this is the way the world system works. You have certain people, they want to be great, and they lord it over. They say, you do this. Do it now. Think of a boss you had in the past. They lord it over you. They didn't motivate you. They lord it over you. They said, you will do this. You will be here. Have you ever had a boss like that? Wasn't fun, was it? He said, that's how the Gentiles are. That's how the unsaved people is what he's saying. That's how they, they lord it over them. They are, they, they are those who are great exercise authority over them. They have authority and they exercise it. You will do this. Yet, it shall not be so among you. What's he saying? The way you see it in the world is not the way it's supposed to be with you. That's what he's saying. That's not how Jesus does this. I need to wrap this up pretty quick because we want to let you guys go early. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be what? Let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We are to identify with Jesus, not with the world. Jesus says, if I came to serve, what should you do? Should you be one of those in the category of service who are being served? Should you be in the category of one who is working, moved by guilt, moved by all these things? Or should you be in the category who serves people in such a way that, God, I serve you, therefore I serve them. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. I'll be moved by you. I'll be moved by faith. I will not be moved by guilt. I will not be moved by need. Jesus is not moved by guilt. He is not moved by need. He doesn't just serve to serve. He serves people the way God wants him to. That's the pattern we need to follow. Too many times we're following the pattern of the Gentiles. We're following the people who demand and lord over others. It's not what we're supposed to do. Here's the thing. Remember I told you there's, a, there's a, one more characteristic I wanted to put out? Here's what I want you to get out of this. This is real important. I'll tell you what, you've got to get this. This, this uh, ministered to me when I, when I saw this. The people who go around and want to be served hardly ever, probably never, serve anyone else. They're always waiting for someone to do for them. That's not a category that you want to be in. The people who work, this is important to get, the people who work, the people who are always, they're moved by guilt, they're moved by need, always working, always working, always working, the Marthas of the world, always, always, always trying to get people to uh, help people all the time, just whenever someone has a need, there they are. These folks seldom, if ever, let anyone serve them. They are always in service. They very seldom let anyone serve them. It's a characteristic of that group. Don't follow it. 
if you are in a place where it is very hard for you to let other people serve you, you are in the wrong category. The first category, the people who serve God by serving other people, who are moved by faith and not by need and by guilt, find it as easy to serve as to let others serve them. What scripture on that? Before Jesus was buried, he was in a house. He came to dinner. And a certain woman came in and washed his feet with her tears, dried them with her hair, and anointed his feet with oil. Very costly oil. One that Judas got upset that was used. And Jesus sat there and let her do it. He didn't move to change it. And he said to the head of the house, he says, Simon, he says, uh, when I came in here, you didn't give me water to wash my hands and feet. You didn't offer to wash my feet. But this woman, she's been washing my feet with her tears, drying them with her hair. said, you didn't anoint me with oil, but she's anointed me with this costly perfume. Is Jesus impressed with her? Absolutely. Give you another one. Last Supper. After supper was all over, Jesus put his garments aside. And he took a towel and a bowl of water. And he went to the disciples and he began to wash their feet. When he came to Peter, Peter says, you will not wash my feet. <laughs> no, no, no. And Jesus says to him, Peter, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. Peter says, and Master, not just my feet with my hands and my face. And Jesus says, no, he who is clean need only wash his feet to be clean. But there is one here who is not clean. And he meant Judas. For Peter, it was hard to let someone serve him. Jesus gave this the example that he would serve others and he also let others serve him. If you do not let people serve you, then you are cutting off an opportunity for people to serve. It is just as important that you serve correctly as give the opportunity for people to serve correctly. I tell you what, there's more we can minister on this, but I really want to get you out here before any of the real nasty stuff gets in here. Let's just get to the, the end part. What was the attitude of the laborers? You need to do for me. The laborers who were hired first went from a place of coming in and working in the man's field to the place where you need to serve me. You see that change in one day? They were glad. Oh, can we go in your field? You're going to pay us a denarius? And at the end of the day, after they saw everybody else and everything that was going on, now you need to do what I'm saying you need to do. See how they switched the roles? It's not good. Don't be doing that. Put this in your outline. Do not live with an attitude of get what you can for yourself. If Jesus did not come to serve but to serve, or to come to be served but to serve, what do you think we came for? Now, he didn't come to serve. But when an opportunity and a correct opportunity came for people to serve, did he stop them? No. What was the role of the disciples? Were they just supposed to follow Jesus and listen to the teaching and go on to the next spot? What did they do? They helped out in the meetings. They served in the meetings. They did the things in the meetings that needed to be done. What did Jesus do? He let them. Just like in here. I let, the, I let the ushers be the ushers. If they need help, I help them. But I let the ushers be the ushers. I let the worship team be the worship team. When was the last time you saw me get up on stage and grab a microphone? <laughs> get behind the piano. Pick up a pair of drumsticks. No. I don't go out and take drum lessons or piano lessons. Don't need to do that. See, there are places that people are, are skilled and people are gifted and, and, and they come in here and they serve. I let them. It's good. 
It's good to serve. It's good to have an opportunity. But what moves you to serve? Are you moved by need? Are you moved by faith? Because what moves you is what you are going to expect to move God. And it will hinder you or help you. It all depends on you. Would you all stand up? Father, we thank you for the lessons you give us through the life of Jesus. So enjoy watching how he worked with people, how he was with people. And Father, we want to learn how we can do the same, how we can follow the same. We thank you for the help that you give us in this. That we can become servants by the order that you called us to be, and not by what the world does. Help us to get the world out and you in. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. We're going to do uh, communion here. Our ushers are going to take these and pass them around. Did we have any praise reports here this morning? Can we pass them one up? Okay. So Mandy says, God has truly blessed me with a caring, loving husband and sweet children. Oh, I guess. He's all right. Um, Nick says, after my exam last week, our class was made aware that the grades were poor. Uh-oh. Before the test, I prayed to walk in God's knowledge and for him to bless the work of my hands. After the exam, I prayed for peace. An overwhelming calmness came over me. I passed my exam, and God told me my exact grade. Hey, hey. That's a good thing. Cool. <laughs> well, that's fun. Sharon says, after a week of being locked out of my house, getting lost while driving, being stuck in my attic with no one at home, I thank God for his joy and peace and not reacting to my situation. Yeah, I'd have reacted. <laughs> not in a good way. Okay, there's a whole lot more to that story. I just, I just know that one. Hmm. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. He took the bread first because it represents his body, which upon his body was put all of our sickness and disease so we don't have to bear them anymore. Let's let him bear them. We don't do him any good by us bearing them. Let's eat together. After supper, he took the cup. He said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. The old covenant just covered up sin. But the new covenant, Jesus' blood, washed it away. We stand before him clean. No longer guilty. No longer under sin. Let's remember, his blood is all we need. Let's drink together. Glory to God. Father, we thank you that as we go this week, you continue to teach us.